Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field. Cleveland 2, Royals nothing. The Indians win opening day 2020. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. And while local radio is talking about, well, I hope they're talking about Shane Bieber. I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what a game we got. What a pitching game we got for opening day. The story, Shane Bieber, 14 strikeouts. It's national news. It's the most strikeouts on opening day since Randy Johnson in 96. Did 14 for the Mariners. And it sets an Indians record for opening day strikeouts. And obviously, I'm going to jump right into it. My MVP for a day is Shane Bieber. And it wasn't just the 14 strikeouts. It's the way he was commanding the strike zone. His fastball was painting the corner on the inside, on the outside, left and right. His curveball was just breaking, dropping down at their feet. They couldn't touch it. And it was really a masterful and ace performance to start opening day with. And it was fantastic to see because while some people, I'm sure you're seeing all the articles out here, meet Cleveland's new ace. The Indians have a new ace. I'm not surprised by this. We, we talked about this uh, in a previous episode. You know, people had said Clevenger was on their list for potential Cy Young winners. Well, it wasn't on my list. Shane Bieber was on my list for potential Cy Young winners. I mean, he's, he was the All-Star Game MVP last year. Like, clearly we could see this coming. So, while the national media is all surprised, uh, here at the Cleveland Baseball Mornings, we are not surprised. We knew big things were coming from Shane Bieber this season. And he did get into a little trouble in the first, right? Uh, actually, I think he hit the leadoff batter to start the game, but uh, a fielder's choice. And then, I love this. This is in my notes. Uh, Mondesi tried stealing second, uh, the second batter of the game who reached on a fielder's choice and uh, was completely gunned out by Roberto Perez. And uh, I think it just goes to show, don't try to steal on Perez. What are you doing? Come on. Now, uh, Whit Merrifield did get a stolen base later in the game, but that was a different situation. There was a runner on third. It was a curveball in the dirt. He was just trying to block it. Mondesi was just trying to take it. He was just testing him, right? It was the first game of the season. He was just going to test Perez, and big mistake. So Bieber did have a little trouble in the first, but his final line, six innings pitched, four hits, one walk, 14 strikeouts. And... Uh, he, he worked pretty hard, so by the sixth inning, he had thrown 97 pitches. And even though he had the shutout going, even though he had the 14 strikeouts going, they decided to pull him from the game and went to the bullpen then in the seventh, which I guess, you know, for opening day, right, 97 pitches, it's a good day. You set a team record. When you can set a team record for something, it's a pretty good day. So Shane Bieber gets our MVP for the day. On the other side of things, Danny Duffy takes the loss. He went four and one-thirds inning, three hits, two earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks. And to be honest, he was pitching pretty good. I mean, he's a veteran. He's definitely a veteran for the Royals. He's 31 years old, and he's been pitching in Kansas City for a long time. He's been there since 2011. And I, I don't think anyone at this point in his career thinks Danny Duffy is like ace material. 
I think his most wins ever were 12 in a season. Uh, his most innings pitched that same season, 2016, 179. So he's always been a reliable guy. You know, don't get me wrong. He's he's been he's been a uh, you know a solid middle of the rotation guy. But at this point in Kansas City's rebuild, they don't they don't have the options for some. I think they were talking on the broadcast last night that by Sunday they might even do a bullpen day already to start the season with 30 guys on the roster. They don't have a third starter. They're already going to do a bullpen day. So uh, yeah, but Duffy actually. Uh, had a pretty good performance. The two runs came in after he was taken out of the game, but they were, you know, credited to him because he put the runners on base. And he was keeping Indians hitters off balance for the most part. Um, he was kind of coming into the righties and jamming them inside. Got a lot of pop-ups. Um, yeah, so uh, it wasn't a terrible outing by Duffy, but uh, he couldn't match what Shane Bieber was doing on the other side. While we're looking at the pitching matchups here, the Cleveland bullpen, really encouraging stuff to see and very telling stuff. The fact that he went with a 2-0 lead, he went Simber in the 7th, Wickren in the 8th, and Hand in the ninth. You know, I thought maybe we would see Karen check in there. And then, and once I saw Hand go into the ninth, and uh, it was a little rocky to start, I thought maybe he's hanging on to Karen check. Maybe he's... Sitting there thinking, okay, if Hand gets himself in trouble, it's only a 2 nothing game. There's not a lot of wiggle room there for a closer. Maybe I'll just keep Karen Check in reserve. In case Hand gets into trouble, I could bring in Karen Check, and he can try to clean up the job. Maybe he was thinking that. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But it's telling that he went Simber, Wicker, and Hand. Those are clearly the guys that he wants to see line up at the end of the game. Uh, Simber... One inning pitched, one walk, but he got two ground outs. So keeping the ball down, that's great to see. Wickren pitched really good, actually. Two strikeouts in his one inning of pitch and very efficient, too. Uh, Wickren, 14 pitches, nine strikes. So that's great to see. Simber and Hand had to work a little more. They each threw 20 pitches in their one inning. And Hand, one inning pitched and two strikeouts. And I think he hit a guy, too. So uh, a couple of guys got plunked last night. Three guys got hit for Kansas City, Merrifield, Solaire, and Gordon. And the two guys got hit for the Indians, Luplo and Jose Ramirez. So tough day at the plate, I guess, for the hitters. Uh, you got to – maybe it's opening day jitters. Maybe, you know, people are trying to do too much. Uh, so that seems like a lot of hit batters for one game. All right, let's take a look at the uh, batting box score for the Indians. Uh, nobody had a multi-hit game. Only five hits for the Indians, four hits for the Royals. Uh, the two RBIs, one came from Oscar Mercado. Mercado got things going in the, uh, fifth inning after Duffy exited. Uh, Mercado hit a little bouncer up the middle. It's all took a bouncer up the middle that got past Montes shortstop. And that scored the first run of the game brought in Jordan Luplo. And then Cesar Hernandez follows that up with a double and scores Roberto Perez. So there you go. That was it. The fifth inning. That was it. Those guys did the damage, and that's all it took. It was actually a quiet day for the offense. Lindor went 0 for 4. Um, he popped up twice. It, he left the bases loaded also in the fifth. Um, it, it, it felt like he was trying to do it a little too much. It felt like he swung at some first pitches, uh, took some big swings at some first pitches, and it looked like he was trying to do a little too much, be a little too aggressive on opening day. And he did great in those 
uh, summer camp games against Pittsburgh hitting in the three hole. And I feel like he kind of wanted to deliver that on opening day and just trying to do too much. I have a feeling by the end of this weekend, uh, Lindor will have a couple hits under his belt. Santana, uh, also, you know, over three with a walk. He, nothing much from the four hole from him, but that's okay. You know, this team did what it needed to support their starting pitcher. Got two runs on the board, and the bullpen took care of the rest. I was a little concerned about that. I'm not going to lie. As we're getting into the third inning, as we're getting into the fourth inning, I mean, Bieber strikes out the side in the second, strikes out the side in the fourth, strikes out the side again in the fifth. Now, in the fourth and the fifth, he gave up a couple hits, got, got a couple guys on base, but like I said, he only gave up four hits on the day, so not much trouble. And he's striking out the side, and we're coming up, and we're not putting runs on the board, and I'm thinking to myself, just get one. Just get one run on the board. As a starting pitcher, that has to feel great, right? Knowing it, when your team's not scoring and you're pitching this well, you know, in the back of your head, you're probably thinking, like, you know, if I slip up, if I make one mistake here, I could have this great 14-strikeout day and get the loss? Like, that'd be crazy. So getting those two runs on the board, it definitely gives that starting pitcher that relief, that feeling of relief to think, like, okay, now I could just go out here and just focus on what I'm doing and the offense has backed me up, right? I got some support now. And uh, it's probably a more comfortable position to pitch from. So I'm glad they got those runs on the board while Bieber was still on the mound. He comes out on the sixth, handles business, and then the bullpen takes care of the rest. Like I said, not much pop from the Kansas City side. Only four hits for Kansas City. They, they have a decent lineup. They really do. There's some veterans on there. There's some young guys mixed in there. We all know Whit Merrifield is going to cause damage. He was one for three on the day. Uh, Salvador Perez in his first game back from an injury. Uh, I think the injury that kept him out for most, if not all of last year. Yeah, all of last year. Um, he got a hit, I think, in his first at-bat. So that's good to see he's back. I mean, he's, he's definitely one of those presences in the AL Central that he's been around since 2011. And it's good to see him back, right? He, he feels like one of the good guys of the AL Central that you enjoy seeing. It's not, and not like a guy that you want to boo every time he's up. I remember Torrey Hunter. Everybody loved booing Torrey Hunter. And I'm not talking about the way Boston fans booed Torrey Hunter. I'm talking just a friendly AL Central rival. A guy who would, he'd kill the Indians. He would beat up on the Indians, and so you'd boo him. But I feel like Salvador Perez, it's a different, it's, it's comforting to see him out there behind the play for the Kansas City Royals. And actually, I wanted to talk about that catching matchup between Roberto Perez for the Indians and Salvador Perez for the Royals. I mean, these might be two of the best catchers in baseball. Roberto Perez gets his first hardware last year, right? 2019, he's the Rawlings AL Gold Glove winner, the Wilson MLB Defensive Player of the Year. And Salvador Perez, for years, also won all those awards. Uh, he was a World Series MVP in 2015. Salvador Perez has been an all-star in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. He's been a silver slugger. He's been the Rawlings AL Gold Glove in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2018. So feels like a little bit of a passing of the torch, right? From Perez to Perez. Um, Salvador Perez being the, the veteran now of the AL Central and Roberto Perez. Well, Roberto Perez has been around for a while. You forget he's been around since 2014. So, uh, not like he's a rookie or anything like that. He's 31 years old. So, 
I guess they're both kind of the the veterans of the AL Central when it comes to catching. But watching both of them, actually, Roberto Perez is a year older. Salvador Perez is only 30. So there you go. Uh, watching both of them back there behind the plate, there were a couple of high fastballs, a couple of balls in the dirt that probably would have gotten by your average human catcher. But Roberto Perez and Salvador Perez, when it comes to blocking the balls, are not human. They they have insane reflexes. They're both big guys that can really absorb the baseball in the dirt. And uh, it was cool. It was a cool pitch, uh, cool catching matchup to watch. All right. Moving on. What stood out? Obviously, Shane Bieber stood out. Obviously, uh, the catching matchup stood out. Um, this stood out for me. Uh, Terry Francona's decision. So, uh, when Kansas City goes to its bullpen, in the uh, they bring in Greg Holland to pitch the sixth. And Greg Holland's a righty. Danny Duffy, the start, he was a lefty. So, when it comes to our corner outfielders come up to bat, Luplo's batting sixth, Domingo Santana's batting seventh, to face Holland, Terry Francona, I thought, I said going into this, get ready for, uh, you know, all these corner outfielders start switching. Get ready for Francona to run through all these outfielders. He's got Zimmer on the bench. He's brought up Daniel Johnson because they don't need a fifth starter. He's got Greg Allen on the bench. He's got plenty of options. He didn't do it. He did not pinch hit for his righty corner outfielders when a righty bullpen guy came into the game. I thought that was pretty telling in the sixth inning. He let Luplo hit. He let Domingo Santana hit. Domingo Santana walked, and then then he brought in Zimmer to pinch run and play defense. So that made sense, right? Uh, Let Zimmer run the bases. I didn't turn into anything in that inning, but you see the strategy there. So I think it was telling that he didn't immediately go for one of his left-handed hitters. Also wanted to make a note before I close up. uh, It was opening day for a lot of teams and uh, the AL Central. And very much this year, because we're playing games against only the AL Central and the NL Central in this sprint, uh, it's going to be very important to keep an eye on what our opponents in the AL Central are doing. So obviously, Kansas City opening up against us. Detroit lost 7-1 to Cincinnati Reds, who... Boy, you forget what Cincinnati Reds did in the offseason. They acquired some serious talent. And uh, Joey Votto seemed like he was in great form at the plate. And uh, they got Nick Castellanos and Moustakis, who had a big game for them. So Cincinnati is going to be a tough team this year. And then the other matchup in the AL Central was the White Sox faced the Minnesota Twins. The Twins won 10-5. Max Kepler hit a home run on the first pitch he saw. (laughs) <laughs> the first pitch of the season went out for the Twins, and you know how the Twins feel about home runs. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, not much pitching going on in Chicago uh, for that game. A lot of offense in that game as the Twins win 10-5. to So we will see what that series does. Hopefully those guys can split the series and give us a chance to get out to a strong lead in the AL Central. That'd be great. And then the other thing to note, the other newsworthy thing is we said that uh, Shane Bieber said the Indians record for most strikeouts on opening day. He came one shy of the major league record set by Camilo Pasquale, a pitcher for the Senators. In 1960, he threw 15 strikeouts. And uh, 1960, the opening day, that was a, must have been a crazy day because not only did he throw 15 strikeouts, but Don Drysdale threw 14 strikeouts. 
And then for the Indians, the Indians record was set by Gary Bell, who threw 12 strikeouts also on opening day in 1960. And he pitched 10 scoreless innings. Frank Larry had done the same for the Tigers. However, they were both knocked out in the 11th, and Detroit went on to win in the 15th. I have been to some opening days that have gone in the 15th, have gone into extra innings like that, and they are cold affairs. Uh, but they're fun games. So there's your, uh, there's your record for opening day strikeouts. One shy of Camilo Pasquale. So we got something fun here. We have our first voice message on Anchor. Message comes from Jeff in Chicago. So let's play this message and let's answer Jeff's question. First off, Davey, just want to let you know, uh, really enjoying your uh, podcast. This is Jeff Cullen from Chicago, lifelong uh, Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, still like to follow the team. 2016 was obviously the most heartbreaking time for me, but uh, lots to look forward to this year. Uh, I learned a lot listening to uh, your broadcast. Just curious what your thoughts uh you got 60 games here. Um, first off, do you think they were going to make it through all 60 games? And then uh, what do you think uh, an outlook might be for uh, for the record for for the Indians this year? What, what do you think we could see from the team? Uh, interesting to uh, see what you have to say, what your predictions are. I'd like to see where, where we are now and where we are at the end of the year here, or if that year ends sooner. So uh, again, keep up the good work and uh, love to hear more. All right, fantastic question by Jeff. And Jeff, thanks for being our first caller. He called in using the Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, and you can leave a message for the show too. And he asked about the 60 games and you know what a prediction might be for the Indians' wins. You know, you want to say that maybe the goal to win the AL Central would be 40 wins, but I mean, if you think about 40 wins out of 60 games, that's a 6-6-6 win percentage, right? Which is a Pretty high win percentage. I mean, even in 2017, when the Indians won 102 games, their win percentage was only 630. So uh, maybe does this 35, does 38 wins win the AL Central? You know, so we'll have to see that. Uh, that'll be interesting to see what it takes to actually win the AL Central. I think maybe uh, 38 wins could do it. 40 wins, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, as for will they play all 60 games, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, coronavirus is a scary thing out there, and I think the reason, so they've got kind of 60 guys, even though they have 30 on the active roster, they kind of have 60 guys in Cleveland ready to go. The other 30 guys are at Lake County playing inter-squad games there, staying loose, staying ready, and I think the reason they're kind of keeping 60 guys around is because even if, say, a rash of coronavirus does go through a clubhouse, maybe 10 guys come down with it, right? You got 10 guys that you can quickly go get from your minor league ballpark and bring them over and keep this thing going. So I think the reason they've got 60 guys around is to try to keep this thing going and get to the end of the season. So I think we'll make it. I think with the testing, I think a lot of these guys have learned their lesson from you know that you know, 4th of July time when people were out. I, we know from Mio Reyes was at a party, you know, it was a, a big news story. So I think these guys know what they need to do to keep themselves healthy and keep themselves safe and make sure we make it through this 60 game season. So thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being our first caller. All right. That does it. Those are my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final last night from Cleveland, Indians two Royals, nothing. We'll be back tomorrow. For the next matchup between the Indians and the Royals, as Mike Clevenger is set to take the mound against Brady Sigger. So we will see how that one goes. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. 
Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, and we'll play them back on the air. Respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.